Today we're coming to the end of our teaching series on Proverbs. So we've <clears throat> been going through that this summer. Um, and as we come to the end of the series, many of us are coming to the end of a season, right? The summer season. Oh, anyone sad? I love summer. I could have summer year-round and I'd be good with that. Um, who had a great summer? Raise your hand. You've had a great summer. Most of us had a good summer. It's good for me. I wanted to throw up a few highlights from my summer. Uh, John McIntosh is one of my highlights. Now, this uh, is a picture here of uh, Tim and Julie Cavanaugh's house. A number of you came and helped out. I wish I had an after picture because they're just about done with it. Uh, those of you who don't know, Tim and Julie are missionaries of ours. We send them out. They're, uh, I thought they're not here this morning, but they're going to go here in a week. And we helped renovate their home base, and I went out a number of times this summer to do some work. It's looking beautiful now. It's a real highlight of my summer, uh, and hopefully for some of you as well who were able to help. John's actually, you can see him, he's smiling real big there. He's real happy. That was a highlight of the summer to be able to help them and bless them and work on their house a little bit. Another highlight of my summer, uh, we did discipleship training camp for teenagers. Uh, there was a couple guys here. Sorry, guys, didn't get you in the picture as well, but we got these gals and some guys and went and joined with the a bunch of teenagers uh, from a number of our sister churches in the region talking about identity. Man, it was a great time. It was so awesome. Looking forward to it next year. Teenagers and parents, I had a call this week. We've got the dates. We've got the location. We've got the topic for next year. So it's happening. It was a good time. It was a highlight of my summer. Uh, another highlight for me, there's my gang, my six kids. Uh, we all flew on an airplane, which has never happened before and will probably never happen again because that's a lot of people to take on an airplane. <laughs> Fortunately, my parents were gracious and did that for us. It was their 50th wedding anniversary uh, this summer, so they took us all out to Washington State. There they are. They look pretty excited. Don't they? It was a great time. We had fun together. Uh, and then, of course, as a church, we did a number of things. There's a number of you. Um, we're volunteering here in the neighborhood on the 4th of July. I also want to use this picture to remind us that, hey, there's four people there who uh, were here just for the summer. Our friends from Phoenix, the college students from Arizona State University who came. It was a real highlight for me to get to interact with those guys all summer long. Uh, we did Bible studies together. They came to our gospel group. I had a bunch of one-on-ones with them. It's a great time, just a blessing. So I had a real full, real fun summer. I hope you did too. As we get to the end of the summer, we probably try to ask that question, now what? Now what, right? And maybe you're starting to think of some of these things, right? I'm sorry, I go into like Costco at the beginning of August, I'm like, why is there Halloween candy? Like, does anybody buy their Halloween candy at the beginning of August for something that's like three months away? I guess they do, because that's why they sell it, right? But we know things keep coming. That picture in the middle, of course, yay for the local sports team. Uh, you may like football, or maybe you just play fantasy football. I don't know what it is, but here it is. It's that season, and then before you know it, we're going to be thinking about Christmas trees and Christmas and all that sort of stuff. So life continues to march on, doesn't it? It marches on. Uh, my dad uh, just turned 74 this month, and his illustration, he says, you know, I think life is kind of like a roll of toilet paper. And each year is once around, and as you more you unroll it, the faster it goes. 
I was like, let's just have the analogy with the toilet paper and life stop right there, Dad, not take it any further. But I think it's true. The older I get, the faster things go. And I, those of you who are older than me are probably like, yeah, I would agree with that. Things do tend to go fast. Kids grow up, the weather changes, the seasons cycle through, and so forth. And we roll on, and we roll on, and we roll on. And when we fail to stop and reflect and remember, we miss out, don't we? We miss out. Have you ever heard of the rule of seven? Anyone ever heard of the rule of seven? Anyone? No one has heard of that. So nobody here is in marketing? Surely you've heard of it, right? Yeah, you're like a real estate guy. Of course you've heard of it. The rule of seven is this. People say it takes seven touches with somebody before they will take action. Right? So when you think of marketing, you're trying to sell something or you want someone to go see the movie that you made, they need to see and interact somehow with it seven times before they'll take action on it. Now, I'm not a big salesperson. Right? I don't really like sales. I don't like the pressure. I don't like that idea of, oh, I want someone to try to buy something that maybe they don't need. But there's a place for that. It's just not me. But this is a rule. This is a principle I believe, because God made us. God made us, and he made us this way, where we need repetition, we need reminder, we need review. We can even see that in scriptures. A couple verses here. The book of Psalm, chapter 77, 11 and 12, the psalmist says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. And then in Proverbs, we've been going through Proverbs, this uh, Good News translation puts it this way, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. God wants us to have memory. He wants us to look back and and review. And as a church, we're headed into a new season, not just kind of this fall. Um, We are, you know, we're going to go into a new teaching series, but we're we're headed there as as a family of believers. We're going to be talking more about where we're headed as a church. As we go this fall and we're looking into the next year and where we're going, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to start with a teaching series. We're going to call it People of the Book. And we're going to be looking at why do we even study the Bible? We've been talking some about that this summer, but we're really going to go into why do we study the Bible? Why is it true? Why is it accurate? Why is it right? What do other people think about it? It's going to be interesting. We're going to go through that series this fall. But before we do that... As we sort of close out the summer here, I thought, why don't we use this final message in Proverbs to touch on all the things we talked about in this series this summer. I want to hit the highlights. Why? Because like these verses say, I think the Lord wants us to remember what he's done. He wants us to remember what we've learned, what we've touched on, what he's called us to. And I think we always, always want to be preaching the gospel to ourselves. And that's been part of the goal of this series is to remember, hey, we're preaching the gospel to ourselves. We want to be grounded in the things that we believe. So this series was subtitled Wisdom for All. You might have seen that in the graphic there. And so today, we just want to look at some of the wisdom. We're going to go through every part of the series very briefly. Don't worry, we won't give each message all again. But we're going to go through each one briefly. And I would encourage you, as we hit each one of these, you know, it's just like a little taste, a little review. If it sparks something, write it down, make a note. And, you know, I know we travel a lot, and people travel and are gone during the summer. We're going different places. We have all of these messages on our website. 
And if you have the podcast app, it's in there. Our website, denverfirehouse.com. If you go to the podcast app, I know at least on my phone, you type in the Firehouse Church messages, you'll see our little flame logo. They're all there. Now, that's not because I'm trying to promote myself for a podcast, but we go, hey, we're all going through this. We're all trying to tackle the Word together and get into the Word together. If you've missed things or you'd like to review, it's all there. I'd encourage you to do that as we go through these things. It's just another chance for us to remember and reflect. So we'll just dive into it right here. The first thing we talked about when we hit this Proverbs series was, we said, hey, the Bible is our instructions. We all need instructions. The Bible is our instructions. What are instructions? Well, it's just a means of guidance. A means of directing us on a path through something new or through something challenging. And like I said, we're going to talk about this some more this fall. But we saw this, Proverbs 1, 5, and 6, in the Amplified Version. It says, the person of understanding, who I think we all want to be, the person of understanding will acquire wise counsel and the skill to steer his course wisely and lead others to the truth, to understand a proverb and a figure of speech or an enigma with its interpretation and the words of the wise and their riddles that require reflection. The purpose of this book, the purpose of the Bible, the purpose of the book of Proverbs specifically is to provide us with wisdom. It's to provide us with wisdom to help us make good decisions in our life. We go, okay, so that's what it's for. Who is it for? Is the Bible for me? Is Proverbs for me? Well, we saw that the Bible's wisdom is for really four groups of people. Those who are inexperienced. If you don't have experience in something, you look to it and, hey, it gives you instructions and the things to move forward. It's for the young, for the youth, like this one's on the screen and like number you sitting here. I don't know. Many of us are probably like, I got a few more rolls coming off of that, that toilet paper roll, so I'm still young, right? So for the young, unless any of us you say, oh, I'm older and I'm wise, the book of Proverbs is for the wise. A wise person is someone who is constantly seeking wisdom. And then those who need direction. If you need direction, the Bible's wisdom is for you. So really, the Bible's wisdom is for all of us because we all fall into these categories. We also looked at how should we approach, how should we approach these instructions? How do we approach the Proverbs? Chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The reverent fear of the Lord, that is, worshiping Him and regarding Him as truly awesome, is the beginning and the preeminent part of knowledge. It's starting point its essence. Arrogant fools despise skillful and godly wisdom and instruction and self-discipline. So we approach the Proverbs, we approach the Bible, we approach God in fear. Now, not we talked about not in that sort of threatening, oh, it's sort of a punishment, oh, he's, you know, a master to a slave and he's going to beat me or something. It's not that kind of fear. It's a fear out of love. It's a fear of, wow, this is a person who is powerful and yet loves me so much, like a child to a father, a child to a mother. We approach the Proverbs in fear of God, out of love, because he loves us so much. So, based on that platform, move on. We looked at some things. One message we gave was the character qualities. What character qualities will earn you respect? And there were four of those that we went through. One of those was to use wise speech. You want to be respected? Use wise speech. Proverbs 17.7 says, Respected people do not tell lies, and fools have nothing worthwhile to say. So it includes being honest. Use wise speech. To be wise when you speak is to tell the truth. It's also to keep your promises. That's a hard one, isn't it? It's hard to keep our promises when it hurts. But you want to be respected, you use wise speech. You make promises and you keep your promises. You tell the truth. The second principle is that we work hard. You want to be respected, 
Work hard. Proverbs 14, 22 to 23. You will earn the trust and respect of others if you work for good. If you work for evil, you're making a mistake. Work and you will earn a living. If you sit around talking, you will be poor. Again, like we said in this message, even if you inherited the world's largest fortune, you won the lottery, uh, you had some really rich uncle named Bill Gates and he gave you all his money or something like that, what does this verse say you should still do? Work. Because it gets you respect. You want to get respect? You want to be respected? Work hard. Third thing is to maintain moral integrity. Proverbs 11, 5-6, the righteousness of the blameless makes their paths straight. But the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. Integrity. Having integrity means being morally complete and undivided. Being morally complete and undivided. So that means, what does it mean to have that? I'm not divided. What am I when nobody is watching me? Do I do the same thing when no one's watching me as when people are watching me? And the reality is God is actually watching you all the time. But even when nobody is watching you, what are you doing? What is your integrity? That's how you can be respected. And the final thing we looked at was another way to be respected is to practice humility. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. We emphasized here practice. Practice. Because we live in a time so full of pride. And at times so full of false humility. So many going around trying to be proud of the things they're doing. Trying to just, oh, I'm humble, but not really humble. I'm showing my humility so I can gain something. Right? And of course we looked at this guy. Good old Amish paradise where he says, I know I'm a million times as humble as thou art. That's how we live, right? That's how much is going on. And so we need to practice true humility if we want to be respected. Proverbs give us great instructions how to earn respect. Now, Tim Kavanaugh, who we talked about a minute ago, he jumped in there and gave a message, wonderful message from Proverbs on the power of Jesus. And he camped right there on Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And there was so much good to glean from his message, but my key takeaway was when we look at this verse, it says, trust in the Lord. Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? Well, when you look into Scripture, you understand that the Lord is Jesus Christ. Trust in Jesus Christ with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. We can see that the greatest power in our life comes from trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. I so appreciate Tim and Julie and their life and what they've accomplished and what they've done. I know many of you do too. I've got a picture of them here. This was last year when I got to go see them. Um... And they're on their way out here uh, next weekend. They're on their way back. Um, they'll be there for the coming year. And uh, we just want to continue to pray for them as we send them out. And I know they're not here today, but I just want to take a minute right now. And we can all together just pray for them. Heavenly Father, I pray for Tim and Julie as they go on this mission, Lord, and go off into China again. And although they've been there for a couple years, Lord, we know things change and things are different. We ask in the midst of it that you would protect them that you would guide them, that you would keep them safe from spiritual attack, that you would give them courage and wisdom to lead their underground church. Uh, help them as they work through new relationships with new people who are on the team and new present people, Lord. But I pray that you would guide them specifically to the lost, 
the lost right there in China who are looking for you. We ask that you guide and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, after that, we looked at money because that's everybody's favorite topic in the world. We looked at what to do about money, and the Proverbs gives us lots of things to see about money. We're just going to go through three of those things today. There were over 100 verses on money in Proverbs, so if you ever want advice on money, look to the Proverbs. Here's a couple, some principles. One of those principles is, what do I do about money? Well, don't be lazy. Proverbs 13, verse 4, the soul of the lazy craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. I think we all know this intuitively, right? We all understand that you can't get something for nothing. You can't get something for being lazy. But it's so easy for us to just sit back and kick back and be lazy. But we looked at this verse and we saw that not only when you work hard does it supply your needs, but who supplies our needs? The scripture shows us that God supplies our needs. And so when you work hard, God responds. God responds. And he supplies our needs. We also saw that Proverbs tells us we should make good plans. Make good plans about our money, specifically about saving and spending and debt. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Proverbs 21.5 The Proverbs have a ton of wisdom on what to do and what not to do with our money. These include, like I said, their saving and saving. We looked at, hey, you've got to make sacrificial choices. You have to choose between this and that, and saving means making choices, and God honors us when we make sacrificial choices. It's about spending, curbing our appetites, doing without on a number of things, and then debt, and Scripture shows that we should get out of it as quickly as we can. Third thing we saw about money is that we should give it away. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe, and we all love that verse, but I love that it's followed by something about money. It says, a rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. So it's in contrast, and the contrast is so many of us can tend to fall into that place where we go, oh, my security is in my money, my security is in my wealth, my security is in those things we have. But when we turn and we put our security in the Lord, and we run to the Lord, then we don't have to be secure and the money that we have. And as a result, we can be generous. We can be generous towards others around us. After we talked about money, Brad shared a message about getting counsel for decisions. Proverbs 19.20, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. I think put simply, when we're going to make godly plans and we're going to look down the road, God's intention is that he's placed us into a spiritual family where we can seek counsel and seek input on making those decisions. could think about those. I appreciate Brad shared a number of those things he talked about in our family lives, in our parenting. He talked about in our purchases. He was in the process of buying a home, which they went ahead and bought, which they did, but they got counsel for it. We could make, we could seek counsel in our employment decisions and where we live and all of those sort of things. And I so appreciate Brad's example in this. I think Brad is just one of those guys who has walked out for many, many years the concept of seeking counsel. And so I was just very touched by him standing up and talking about that. And I say, Yeah, he's talking about something where he has truly lived that out, getting counsel for decisions. Well, in addition to Brad, Tim Sexton also shared, I appreciate Tim, Tim shared his heart about guarding the heart, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. 
I love that verse. The main idea with it is that our hearts are the center of our life. What flows from them either blesses others and blesses ourselves or curses others and curses ourselves and wreaks destruction on others. Therefore, we have to be actively engaged in guarding our hearts. Appreciated that Tim gave us three questions for self-evaluation that we could have. He asked, and we should only to be asking this, do I have a humble heart before God? Do I have a humble heart before God or am I proud? Second question, do I allow God's truth to penetrate my heart? Which really begs that question, am I putting myself, am I immersing myself in God's truth and allowing it to penetrate my heart? Am I actually going to places and reading the word and understanding what it says? And then do I have a wise person who will help me understand my heart? Do I have somebody who I can go to? I could say, help me understand and seek their input. I really appreciate Tim's heart, Tim's example in that We also looked at making plans in faith. Proverbs has a lot to say about making plans. We saw that God wants us to make plans and make them in faith. In addition to making them in faith, he wants us to make them diligently. We saw this verse, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. Proverbs 21.5. When we're careful and conscientious, this is what diligence is, when we're careful and conscientious, we will see God's goodness in abundance. We also want to make plans humbly. We looked over to the book of James. It says, Come now you say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And we might think, oh, from that point we'd say, so don't bother making plans. But instead it says, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. If the Lord wills. These are going to be my plans. That's how we make plans. We make plans humbly. It doesn't say don't plan because you don't know the future. It says be humble because God knows the future as you're making plans. We also should make plans with the right priority. Matthew 6, The words of Jesus himself said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Are we making our plans to put God's business first or our own business first? It's very simple. Yet it's very difficult. Proverbs tells us a lot about that. We followed that teaching on planning with a look at countercultural parenting. Man, we were covering lots of ground this summer, didn't we? There's tons of verses in Proverbs on this as well, and a couple thoughts we can remember. One is that God has given us lots of great instruction for being countercultural parents. We're not left alone parents to do this. God's given us instructions. Proverbs 14, 26, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. Proverbs 20, verse 7, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Parenting is hard. Amen? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> it is hard. I know. God has given us his word to instruct us if we will believe it. And God has placed us in a spiritual family to help us if we will connect. Doing those things, believing God's word, putting it into practice, connecting with others, it takes humility. Another thing that we saw is that we have to build the foundation of our parenting on Jesus Christ. We cannot found it on our kids or their choices. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We cannot and should not make parenting a set of rules to follow to reach a determined outcome because it's not that. We cannot make it a grid of do's and don'ts to measure ourselves against others. And especially we cannot and should not lead our kids to believe that their choices will lead God to love them more or less. It's not how God's economy works. Last week, I appreciated John Meyer came. Man, it was a great message, wasn't it? He came and talked about belief. He shared from Proverbs chapter 1, The simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. And John shared that what wisdom is telling us is that we need to believe, to not just say that we believe. And that's a question to ask. Do I believe or do I just believe that I believe? And I was so encouraged last week as he stood here and he asked you all for your thoughts. And I think every single person who shared, I was just touched by the deep, reflective, and honest thoughts that everybody shared. I would encourage you to go back and listen. If you don't listen to any other message, listen to this one. It was good. One way, I think, of of knowing that I believe is when I choose to turn towards God. God has wisdom. I choose to turn towards it. You know, Jesus himself was asked what it means to believe. Did you know that? They said, what does it mean to believe? And Jesus answered in John chapter 7, he said, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. I appreciate what Augustine said about this passage. He said, what did, what did Jesus mean? What is if any man be willing to do his will? If any man's willing to do my will, what is it? It's the same thing as to believe. To believe is to turn your heart and to do what God says. If that's true, if I'm willing to do God's will, I'm willing to turn towards him. I'm willing to start asking those hard questions and then seek out the answers. You want to believe? You say you believe? Turn towards God. Ask the hard questions. Seek out the answers. You believe? And you're willing to read the Bible? Are you willing to put it into practice? Proves that you believe. Are you willing to do God's will? Yeah, I believe. Are you willing to join with the spiritual family, even when it's hard or messy, which pretty much is all the time? That's what belief is. How do I know if I believe? One way I can know is if I'm putting my faith into action. So appreciated what John shared last week. And now as good as that message was, I think the most foundational part of our series on Proverbs was this last thing, which was grace. And we put it in the context of the prodigals. Grace for the prodigals because every single one of us in one way or another is a prodigal. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 7 tells us, The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. And Proverbs 14, 11 says kind of the same thing. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. Oh, well, this seemed pretty straightforward. Good people are good and bad people are bad. It's going to go well for good people and it's going to go bad for bad people. Kind of a simple equation. But then we have this problem, right? Because we go to Romans and it says, Who is righteous? No one. None of us. Not one of us is righteous. Not one. Because of this in our human nature, we have a problem, don't we? We go, well, it goes well for good people and it goes bad for bad people. 
but we're all bad people. None of us is righteous, not one. And so we try to solve our sin problem in one of two ways, and we talked about this. One of those ways is moralism. We start to set up rules. We call this being religious. I got some rules. I'm trying to get to God. I want to be right with God. I want God to love me more. I have this attempt. If I just do things right, things will be right for me. I will be that righteous person if I do the right things. We set up rules for ourselves in this attempt to get closer to God. And I know last week John talked about those people who have recently sort of denied their faith and fallen away. And I would guess that it's probably because they were moralists. And when we're moralists and we set up rules to follow, we're going to find that we can't actually follow those rules. And we're going to fall away. We could never keep the rules we set up. So that's one way we can go to try to solve our sin problem. Another way we can go is the other way, which is relativism, which is being irreligious, which is saying, I've got freedom. Oh, God likes freedom, the expression of doing what I want. Oh, God is love. He loves me and I can be free and I can do whatever I want. And when I do that, it's going to bring me satisfaction and it's going to bring me closeness to God. And that's where the swing of our culture has gone, isn't it? Our culture has swung that way, and that's the world we're walking in, and it sounds really attractive. The problem is that it just is going to lead to more brokenness and more suffering, and it's not going to solve our sin problem. The Bible instead leads us to this conclusion that we are righteous not because we're expressing our freedom or not because we're following laws, but because of God's grace alone. God's grace alone is the only reason, the only way we're going to get our sin problem solved. This works because God comes to us. God comes to us. I have a sin problem. I can't do anything to get to God. God has to come to me. And he's come to me in the person of Jesus Christ. And he comes to me in the person of Jesus Christ. And the second thing I need to do is I need to repent. I need to repent of both of these things. Of trying to follow rules and of trying to just live in freedom. Of being rebellious. I need to repent of my moralism. I need to repent of my relativism. And the third thing I do then is say, wow, God has come to me. I repent of these things. I accept this free gift. The free gift of Jesus Christ who died in my place. I can now love God because he loved me first. God loved me first and now I can love God and I can have a relationship with him. And this is the foundation of the Christian life. Following Christ is the foundation we need to build our life on. And we follow Christ because he first loved us. We talked this morning and we talked this summer about all of these things that we do and all of these principles to follow. These are not moral laws for us to follow. These are in relationship with God where God says, I love you. And I say, okay, I accept your free gift. And he says, here, go this way. It will bear good fruit in your life. And we can go that way. We are righteous, not because of those things, but because of God's grace alone. If we don't grasp this, if we don't grasp the gospel, if we don't preach it to ourselves daily... It's just meaningless. The Proverbs is meaningless. The Bible is meaningless. We have to grasp this point. This is at the heart of everything that we do. And so as I close here, let's continue to remember this. Let's remember the gift God has given us in salvation. Let's remember the gift he's given us in Jesus Christ. Let's remember the gift he's given us in his word and the truth. 
Amen? All right, I'll pray and we'll close. Yeah, God, I can't, I can't thank you enough for sending Jesus Christ to earth to live the perfect life to die on the cross to take the place of me before you to fulfill the penalty that's due for my sins. Lord, my sins are great and many and they separated me from you. But you come to me. You've reached out to me through Jesus Christ. And he took that penalty. And Lord, you offer that free gift of salvation to every single one of us. Sitting here, it's as simple as saying, yes, God, I can't express my freedom in a way that gets me closer to you. I can't follow rules in a way that gets me closer to you. I can only accept the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. And Lord, for those of us who have received that gift... Lord, help us to walk in grace and truth. Help us to make choices. Help us to draw closer to you by reading your word, by being in spiritual family, through prayer, through serving, through giving. Not because we're setting up rules, but because we want to see you glorified. God, thank you for all of these things. Thank you for the summer, Lord, as we look back here. And Lord, I know it's been at least instructive for me. If it hasn't been for anyone else, Lord, it's been instructive for me to look back on the things that we looked at this summer. And God, as we head into the fall, into a new season, and each one of us is walking out different things and have different obstacles and different challenges and different things going on, help us to hold on to the gospel, to the good news, to preach it to ourselves. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you've placed us in spiritual family where we could be together on this journey of faith. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.